0: The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health.
1: Well, welcome, everyone. It's Dr. Ron Henning-Hockey, and we're back for another episode of The Real Health Podcast. And I'm excited today because we have one of our own employees, Jasmine Murphy, on. Jasmine, welcome to this show.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: So the title of this program is going to be, which will sound a little bit overdramatic, but it's not, How Intermittent Fasting Saved My Life, or Your Life, right? Yeah yeah so uh, you were just telling me a little bit about this, and just to kind of lead into this at one point, you weighed seven hundred and eighteen pounds,
2: yeah, that was my highest recorded weight
1: highest recorded weight and so how did that and and you really never did have diabetes no and you and you didn't have any other serious you had lymphedema mm-hmm. obviously that would go along with this, but none of the normal Comorbidities, heart disease, and things—diabetes—you didn't have any of that. None of that. So let's just talk a little bit about how how this happened to you, and uh, what were some of the uh, the steps that led you to intermittent fasting?
2: Sure. Yeah. So you know, I struggled with my weight all of my life. Um, some of it, I'm sure, is environmental. You know, some of it was as time has gone on, found out that I had metabolic syndrome and some other things that played into that. Keep
1: in mind that 70 to 80% of Americans now are dealing with metabolic syndrome and a lot of them don't even know that they have that, but go ahead.
2: Yeah. And it was a game changer when I found out Mm -hmm. and what that meant for me. But, um, you know, very long story short, uh, I found myself, I was 25 years old. I was pregnant. I started to have, um, the symptoms of lymphedema I got put on bed rest, gained 100 pounds with my pregnancy. And like most women that find themselves in that position, you have the baby, you start to do the things that you need to do to try and lose the weight and surprise, you're pregnant again. (laughs) Mm. And then life happens, you know, so um, I have my second child, I... Maintained my weight pretty well through that pregnancy. Oddly enough, she only wanted salad and fruit. So Mm. I ate pretty well. But um, after I had her, you know, we had just life happen. Down to the economy, you know, about Stress. stress, homelessness, you know, layoffs, all of that. And I found myself putting me and my health on the back burner. Everybody else came before me made a lot of decisions that weren't um the most beneficial for me in my health. And I found myself one day outside, um, I had fallen outside of my kids' school and I couldn't get up and I was over seven hundred and eighteen pounds. Um, there was an older woman that saw and took pity on me and told me to take her place in line. And in that moment I said to myself, I'm I'm not living. I had just lost two people dear to me who I knew would have given their life to be back to raise their kids and to be with their family. And here I had none of the reasons to not be living, but I wasn't.
1: So, you know, and, I, and really in everyone's story that is struggling with weight and there is a turning point. And you, would you say that was like the turning point?
2: Oh, Absolutely. I knew that day that something had to change. It wasn't fair to me. It wasn't fair to my children. It wasn't fair to the people that loved me, to the people that were in my life that had lost their lives. You know, I just.
1: So you recognize the problem, but then there's always the question, what's the solution? So kind of let's talk a little bit about what was that journey back to where you uh, are, where you are today, where you're much more functional than you used to be?
2: Absolutely. So I've always loved movement. It got really hard at a certain point. So I stopped, Um, you know, I was doing day to day things always. Um, But I knew for me, the key was to start with the thing that I loved so that I could tackle the things that maybe we're a little more challenging with a little more ease. So I went to the dojo that my kids took karate um, at and I spoke to the owner who I was, you know, pretty good friends with. My kids have been going there for years and I sat down at her desk and I said, I need help. Mm -hmm. I can't do this anymore. I need help. And so she developed a plan for me to start training with her son. I started training that week and, you know, it, it did not look like your typical workouts looked like. We had the fold up gym mats and he put them out and I sat on those and I would do punches and kicks sitting down and I would stand up for 30 seconds and do some leg movements and sit down for two minutes to recover. And, you know, and what would have been a 30 minute workout would take an hour because I had to rest. My body just couldn't handle all of that movement um, gracefully, you know, with ease and without pain. But it was a starting point. Um and, you know, I really started to, to address this and tackle this not as how do I get the weight off, but how do I continue to become stronger than I was the day before?
1: I think that's a really good point, because a lot of people, when they have a health problem, they're so focused on the problem that they can't uh, give their attention to the solution. Right. So kind of lead. How did this lead into intermittent fasting for you?
2: Yeah. So my trainer at the time, he, he loved to investigate and learn about new things. And he would always tell me, we, we found a kinship in that. And mm-hmm. so he would always bring me things and say, have you thought about this? Have you heard about this? And one of the things he brought to me was intermittent fasting. And he said, you know, he called me Jazz and he said, Jazz, I've, I've been reading, you know, on this intermittent fasting and here are some of the things that it does. And as he started to talk to me about some of the foundational principles of intermittent fasting, it made sense to me. It also felt good to me because one of my struggles with food was becoming hyper fixated on the diet. Mm -hmm. I never was a breakfast eater. And every dietitian, every professional I went to would say, oh, my gosh, you've got to eat breakfast and you need to eat six small meals a day and you're and that created a hyperfixation with food for me and it made it i found myself overeating when i would do that because i'm so focused on now my natural inclination was to not eat in the morning was to drink
1: yeah Water. and it's important for people to know that inter, that intermittent fasting is not a diet there's not a special diet associated with it it's the timing of your meals and the uh, uh, giving your body a period of time where you go into natural ketosis. But before we get too far ahead in the science of it. So, so, so what you're saying is you were able to take the fixation away from, I'm, I'm on a diet. So you, you, you were able to just focus on. What the good parts of this were? So, what were the good parts for you that that helped you make this shift into intermittent fasting? You said number one that you never did like breakfast anyway.
2: Yeah, no, I love breakfast food, mm. but I didn't like to eat at seven in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm barely awake then. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like let's be honest, um, my workouts were early in the morning. Ah. Uh, I would drop my kids off at school. The dojo was two minute drive from the kids' school, but my training was an hour and a half after I dropped them off. So I would go sleep in my car until my trainer showed up. I wasn't trying to eat breakfast. Um, I'm hypoglycemic. And I always felt like for me, when I would eat, and then I would, you know, at a certain point, start to feel sluggish, start to feel lower energy, not higher energy. I didn't want to work out after that. Mm-hmm. I started to learn that if I would go in in a fasted state, drinking my water, drinking my black coffee, working out that workout became so much more efficient and effective for me. Uh Um, again, and like I said, it removed the fixation away from food It allowed me to, we talk about healthy lifestyle being about lifestyle. Like this isn't a short-term diet. It's got to be something that you can do for the rest of your life to maintain it. Mm -hmm. That felt feasible to me. I wasn't forcing a puzzle piece to fit. I was working with my body's natural rhythms and it just felt so good. I noticed that my energy was better after my workouts. I could go stronger, faster, longer, harder and I started to see an immediate change in my body. And even when I got sick, which we'll talk about later.
1: But Yeah. Now you mentioned hypoglycemia. So some people who hear and have heard about intermittent fasting, they say, well, I'm prone to hypoglycemia. Did you have to, in the process of uh, beginning the intermittent fasting program, did you have to start gradually or were you able to jump right into it?
2: Um, We started somewhat gradually. Mm -hmm. We started gradually and implemented a lot of things that, you know, some people like staunch IF people are like, oh, that's kind of breaking your fast. But it worked for me. Mm -hmm. So I started with, um, you know, making sure that I had the water with electrolytes in it. And um, right before my workout, I was drinking a black coffee. Some people say that breaks your fast. Some people say it doesn't. For me, it helped. It worked. Um, I learned how to break my fast in the best way possible for me and my body. Um, So like one of the things or the the tips that we used was an hour and about an hour after my workout, I would break my fast with an apple and then wait another hour before I ate. And then I would have a protein meal Mm -hmm. and that helped me, you know, to gradually come out of that. I eventually got to the point where I was able to do a dry fast. I was able to do, you know, different fasting windows and do longer fasts and shorter fasts and mix it up. But yeah.
1: So kind of giving the audience an idea. So what time would you normally have your supper the day before? And then what time, how, so how many hours would it be that you, you went through the fasting before you would eat in the early stages of it?
2: So the early stages, my last meal was usually around 8, 39 o'clock. Okay. And a lot of that was based on my kid's schedule.
1: Right, right.
2: <laughs> and I was breaking my fast at about 10 to 11 the following day. Okay,
1: so you were getting about a 12 to 13 hour fast, which is not a bad way for people to get started, You know, right. because obviously... Intermittent fasting can go longer than that, and I did. Did that happen to you? Did to, Did you start to lengthen out your fast period?
2: I did. I naturally started to lengthen it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just there became a point where I could go longer and longer without feeling like I needed to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and initially there is that that internal fear that oh, I'm hypoglycemic. I'm going to have to eat. My blood sugar is going to get really low. This is not going to be good for me. I noticed the exact opposite happened. And so then I was able to move into at my, without doing like the 24 hour fast or the dry fast, I was able to naturally move into a 24 fast. So 20 hours fasted, four hour eating window. And that felt really good for me.
0: There's a lot more to this conversation and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's episode of the Real Health Podcast is brought to you by the Reardon Clinic Nutrient Store. The Nutrient Store is your resource for the highest quality nutritional supplements. Every supplement in the store is hand-picked by the expert medical staff at Reardon Clinic, providing you with the best quality, purity, consistency, and effective dosing available. Visit store.reardonclinic.org to shop online.
1: Yeah. So uh, what period of time was that? A couple months or was it?
2: It took about two and a half months, two and a half to three months. Right, right.
1: Yeah. And so just for the sake of the audience, you know, there's going to be so much individual uh, molding of this program in order to make it work. But I think one of the big things is is not to expect instantaneous results and maybe you'll, there'll be some trial and error, error in the process of it. But as time goes on, what you're saying is that it got easier and it started to feel more natural. Yeah. Which is, uh, keep in mind that our ancestors did not eat three meals a day. You know, very often it depended upon what food they could hunt, it depended upon work schedules, uh, the availability of food. And nowadays we've got food everywhere. And people, as soon as you say, I can't have this, then you want it. But interesting, and I'm, and I'm a intermittent faster myself, I've uh, lost five belt sizes in probably the last year or so since I've been doing it without a struggle at all. But what, uh, what was your experience as time went on? Did you feel like you had to work at this or did it just start to feel better and better?
2: No, it it started to feel better and better. And I started much like you said, congratulations on the five belt sizes. Mm -hmm. I started to notice really drastic rapid changes with ease. Um, you know, one of them actually was with my lymphedema and with the inflammation, and the swelling. Yeah. Um, and then I was able to start to pay more attention to some of my body's natural rhythms. Like um, when I would hit a plateau, how long that pl- plateau would last. So now I can tell you, I know my body and I can say, oh, okay, I haven't seen a change in two weeks. I know that in two and a half weeks, all of a sudden, there's going to be a quick change because that's how my body adapted to. So,
1: it- so this is definitely not dieting. No. I always tell people, diet is a four-letter word. Don't don't go there. But uh, this book that I don't know if they can if it can be seen by the audience, but it's the intermittent fasting revolution: the science of optimizing health and enhancing performance. Dr. Mark Mattson is one of the key researchers, and what he's basically saying now is that this is producing all kinds of really good health benefits, whereas we think of dieting as maybe uh, creating problems in people, and, uh, and it's not sustainable. I've most, there's, there, uh, there's just so many diets out there that are not sustainable, But part of the sustainability of this is that there are now, I can list 10 health benefits of intermittent fasting. And so I'm going to go ahead and list them one at a time. And you kind of give me your feedback. So the first one was in enhanced energy production. Did you notice that? Oh,
2: absolutely. 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 And to not be a morning person and to work out in the morning, (laughs) to be able to have a really good workout. And I think I had my best results when I was working out in a fasted state.
1: Yeah, that's great. Number two, cellular repair and regeneration. Did you notice that you uh, had a better sense of well-being and uh, that your body was starting to get healthy again?
2: Yes. And Real quick, interesting story. And one of my turning points, especially in having conversations with friends and family that maybe weren't necessarily on board with the fasting. um, At a certain point, I had a bout with being septic. Septic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I was in the hospital and I fasted. What most people don't realize, and I had to point this out. With me fasting, I was able to recover more quickly. And I had to explain, you know, when you think about it, if you're in the hospital and you have a serious infection or illness, the first thing they do is they put you on NPO or no foods. No food. They put you on a saline IV to keep you hydrated, but you're in a fasted state.
1: Yeah. And that's actually number nine of these uh, 10 health benefits, enhanced immune functioning. Fasting has been found to support immune system functioning by Promoting the regeneration of I- immune cells and reducing overall inflammation in your body. So, 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 so that's amazing that that worked out as good as it did. Uh, of course, the big one is number three here: improved insulin sensitivity. Because the essence of metabolic syndrome is loss of insulin sensitivity, or what's called it—you it, you go into a state of insulin resistance, and then. There, the tendency is for the blood sugar to go up and for more and more insulin to be on board. Uh, now, you never did have a problem, though, with diabetes or or elevated blood sugar. No. So yours was just a pure type of the probably relating to uh, the, uh, the lymphedema and probably stress. It just sounds like you were in a huge, huge state of stress and that 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 may be one of the major reasons why people get disruption of their metabolism. Yeah, absolutely. So, but a big part of stress is this feeling of loss of control. And I'm sensing that when you got into intermittent fasting, you started to regain control over a number of things in your life. Tell me a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, it, it allowed me to control what felt good and natural to me. First of all, um, with my eating patterns, Um, you know, you you spend so much time as a person on a larger body having everybody tell you what you should and shouldn't do. So being able to do something that felt good for you, um, that made sense for you was it felt amazing. Um, The level of clarity that I had. like, It's hard to explain to somebody that hasn't fasted, but you have a moment where all of a sudden. You see everything more clearly. Things feel more clear. And when you have that moment, you're making better decisions overall. You feel like you're functioning in in a higher state. That in and of itself gave me that feeling of having more control because I felt like I was able to make better decisions. And not just with eating and with exercising, but just in life in general, right?
1: I've read about fasting in, you know, in, there's a number of different ways to fast besides intermittent fasting, but one of the one of the sentiments that's re- expressed in, in in just about all the books I've ever read is that increased mental clarity. And part of that may be that the brain can actually work better in ketosis. And so when you do, when you are intermittent fasting, your body does go into ke- ketosis. It starts burning fat, and ketones are interesting in that our ancestors, if there was no food, they had to get mentally sharper and more acutely aware of their environment and making better decisions in order to survive. So in a sense, intermittent fasting puts you into a higher level of survival mode.
2: Yeah, without the stress. Without the
1: stress, without the stress. Fantastic, reduced inflammation. So I'm assuming that pain levels went down as a result of this too.
2: Absolutely. Um I've had Osgood-Schlatter. I was diagnosed with osgood Slaughter at 8. Mm-hmm. Um at the time that I was diagnosed, we were told you grow out of it, but I still always had ligament and joint issues. And as I continued this journey, I noticed even at that higher weight, a lot of those joint pains, ligament pains, they disappeared.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're back, this number six here is brain health and uh, this has to do with mitochondrial functioning and so one of the astounding uh, sets of information I got just a couple months ago is I used to think that a neuron in our brain has a 100,000 mitochondria, which that's amazing to even think of that. Well, that's wrong. They now know that the neurons in the brain have a million to two million mitochondria. And one of the things that uh, intermittent fasting helps the most is mitochondrial functioning. So your brain functions better, your heart functions better, your muscles function better, your liver functions better, because all of those are high mitochondrial uh, engine need to and for those organs to work properly. So, so uh Enhanced cognitive functioning and protection against neurodegenerative diseases. You know, who knows? Had this gone on, the depression would have gotten worse, and and you may have started to slip into a kind of a Alzheimer type state, which is can happen to people. So, you certainly aren't in that state now. Well,
2: not at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. And the other thing is increased longevity. So there's a lot of research now that uh, using intermittent fasting, people are living longer and feeling better. And and I remember hearing about that uh, probably 30 or 40 years ago, that if they took lab animals and fasted them a certain amount of time, they lived about twice as long as the ones that weren't fasting. So... So that's pretty impressive. So, and then number 10 here is cancer prevention. Well, obviously you didn't get to that stage and you don't want to, but we're seeing more and more people who are dealing with cancer. And part of it I think is this metabolic syndrome uh, is setting people up for uh, increased risk of cancer.
2: I can speak to that just a little bit though, because Mm. every woman in my, we have a a history of ovarian and cervical cancer in my Mm -hmm. family. Mm. Um, there are, up to my generation, no woman has made it past the age of 40 without having a total hysterectomy. Mm. Myself and one other cousin have.
1: Yeah. Great.
2: And and I attribute it to some of those lifestyle changes that I made. So,
1: Well, Jasmine, I'm just thrilled that you could be on the program today and you you're an inspiration to those people that are going to listen in, especially the ones that have been told you know, you're stuck, you're, you know, there's nothing we can do to help you. This is something that you did completely within yourself. Well, you had some initial help there at the beginning, some encouragement. But uh, once you got started, it's like momentum took over and it's still, you're still on the journey now. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being on the program. And I hope everyone, even someone who's not dealing with a, a weight issue, Keep in mind that I, as I mentioned earlier, 70 to 80% of Americans and actually Western society is dealing, uh, with this metabolic syndrome. And it's, and it just kind of sneaks up on people. There are people that are normal weight. But they still have the metabolic syndrome. So I really think intermittent fasting is not a bad idea for anyone, though you may want to, you know, get some help, get some coaching and and uh, take your time getting into it. But don't be discouraged if it doesn't work right away, just because you've been doing this how long now?
2: Um, since 2017, 20... well, 2016. So yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So you've lost over 300 pounds. Is that what I heard?
2: 342 pounds. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: Folks, it can be done. For all of you that said you tried and it didn't work, you weren't using the right method. So, so thanks again for being on our program. And I wish everyone the best of luck in uh, giving this a, a little bit of a try or at least doing some research on it. And just even, what, one to two days a week can make a big difference. So
0: thank you. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to The Real Health Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org, where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.